Hi, I'm Jorge Molina, creator of Just To Be Nominated. If you have liked our show so far, we'd love for you to check out Kingdom of Payment's newest weekly podcast, The Nowhere Room. It's a show about what it means to be a creative entrepreneur. It follows writers Kyle Kords and Amy Sudo in their first year of business as they run their companies Kingdom of Payment, Kingdom of Ink, and The Orphanage Collective. The first episode of The Nowhere Room is live now, and you can check it out on kingdomofpayment.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Now, onto the finale of Just To Be Nominated. Whatever you're holding back could help us figure this out. I didn't do anything wrong, okay? I didn't do anything. And I, I'm, I'm gonna, not saying you did. You Well, you did not, do something wrong. Leo. You're not qualified to do this. Leo. My name is Detective Sidney Foster. I'm the lead investigator in the Riley Argy murder. And this is my final assessment in her case. A few days ago, we received a series of recordings that have become instrumental in our developments of the case. Nine episodes of the popular award prediction podcast, Just to be Nominated, were submitted to us by producer Beth Crawford. In conjunction with the witness interrogations that we've conducted over the last weeks, I can say that I've come to a conclusion of who the guilty party is, and we are ready to make an arrest. The facts are this. In the early morning of Monday, February 25th, Actress Riley Audrey was found dead in the Montgomery Cliff suite of the Beverly Hilton Hotel. She was found next to an empty bottle of strong antidepressants, cradling the Academy Award she had won earlier in the evening. A suicide was ruled as a preliminary cause of death on the spot. However, her official autopsy revealed more details. It was a combination of strong barbiturates with a blunt strike in the back of the head that caused Miss Audrey's system to collapse. This forced the official cause of death to be retracted and for the people on the ground to be sought out and brought in for questioning. At the same time, two entertainment journalists and amateur detectives were conducting their own investigation on their widely heard podcast. They were providing context that was unknown and quite illuminating for us. The two of them were also brought in for questioning. The following are excerpts of conversations we had with all the suspects that played a part in Riley's final night. We asked them to detail what happened the night of the Academy Awards from the moment they left the Dolby Theater to when the police arrived at the scene. After the show ended and everyone left, uh, Joy Moon, uh, she took over and stayed with Riley. I think she made her do all the press and questions and all of this uh, glitzy Hollywood uh, bullshit. Uh, the rest of us, we were forced to wait by the limo with Cassandra. We were still a team. I, I wanted us to remain a team until the last minute, so I, I booked a limo for all of us to go to the after party together. I just wanted to go home. I regret not taking that midnight flight when I had the chance. That hot, cramped limousine. It was one of the worst rides of my life. And I don't know if you know how many limo rides I've been in, but that's not a small feat. Did you go straight from the theater to this team limousine ride, Mr. Larson? Well, no. Uh, I met up with Oscar before. Oscar De Silva? Riley's boyfriend to do what? Are you... Are you sure this is, uh, confidential? Eric and I were in love, okay? Simple as that. We fell in love while I was visiting Riley on the set of their movie, trying to make sure my relationship with her didn't fall apart. She had no interest in that, but Eric did. He showed interest. He cared. And uh, this campaign, well, we were forced to spend every minute of every day together. All, How could we not get close under those circumstances, right? Why did you two meet that night? I was tired that night and angry. 
Riley had forgotten my name in her speech, so I needed to talk to someone. And what did you do in there? <laughs> what do you think, Detective? I wasn't exactly just conversation. Oh, I see. Then I left as soon as I saw Riley appear in the rearview mirror. And on to the ride of hell. We had to go soon after, though. We saw Joy and Riley coming up to us. Joy talked to me first alone. She wanted to thank me for bearing with her in the campaign. She gave me a baggie of party drugs as a thank you. Oh, that's thoughtful of her, I guess. I'm a former addict, uh, detective. That's how much Joy Moon took the time to know you personally. Then Riley got in. She didn't say anything. And I didn't say anything. Nothing at all? The tabloids would love to have you think that we're this perfect couple, but we haven't had a conversation longer than five minutes in years. So it's an act for the cameras. Well, at first it was a good deal, and we got all the buzz from being the internet's favorite couple, but now we're just trapped with each other. You didn't speak for the entire ride. I made a joke about her having two Oscars, which the entire internet then made. I gave her the drugs that Joy gave me, and she'd for sure use them. Um... I have to ask, Detective, were those... The no, Mr. DeSilva, the drugs found in her body were not party drugs. Whatever killed Riley, it's not what you gave her. Who gave Riley Audrey the drugs that actually did kill her? And how did she come into them later into the night? We found the testimony of podcast host Terry McPherson and Leo Gold incredibly valuable. We saw when they all came in, the entire Stockholm team, and they, you know, gathered in the lobby, kind of did their one last hurrah. Riley was in that stunning dress, which I'm sure you've seen in the pictures, with her Oscar covering up, well, the other Oscar. Her neck reflecting those flashes. Wait, was Riley not wearing her diamond choker at the time? No, not on the red carpet when they arrived. I, I remember thinking how long her neck looked. Wait, why? Well, what about that? Riley's body was discovered with a diamond choker on. We think that's what stopped the swelling of the hit. What else do you remember? Well, uh, I mean, there was Michelle Leanders trying to get in without an invite, but... Look, it was a very, it was a small misunderstanding. I, I definitely had the invite, okay? I had the invite. I just, I just misplaced it. It was a very easy, easy mistake to fix. They just refused to. How was it fixed then? Well, Riley helped me out with that. You must have seen it online. I have, yeah. With just a nod of the head, I was led inside. As you saw, we were not in the best of terms. But again, I was there to make amends. I couldn't keep carrying this my whole life, this grudge about what could have been. Then what happened? Well, we did a few more interviews. At least I did, for the most part. What do you mean? Well, Leo went MIA after a while. I had to do like a dozen interviews by myself. And even the ones he was there for, he was in another place. He was completely distracted. That boy was out of it. Uh, one of the most disengaged interviews I've ever given. And I was once interviewed by a Persian prince in the middle of a state coup. One of them ditched me. Right before he was about to go on, he just poof, disappeared, never came back. I stood up and left and came back. I had to give it to that other boy by himself. Do you know where he went? God, his excuse changes by the minute. I've listened to your podcast. It seemed like you started to get an idea. That's why you stopped recording in the middle of an episode, right? Well, I think he saw something. I couldn't say what, but he hasn't responded to any of my calls or texts since then, so I don't know. He and Riley had a history, right? 
I wrote the only review that dared to be critical of Riley in that movie. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's like kind of tragic. I really didn't like it. And it was my duty as a critic to say it. But Riley somehow got a hold of this, and I guess someone calling her performance stiff and overdone didn't play into her campaign strategy. That review absolutely did not play into our campaign strategy. It had to go. I would not accept anything less than complete universal raves. So I used Riley's biggest weapon, her preteen following. I was being destroyed for it. People were calling me names, photoshopping me into memes, spamming my DMs. And yes, I am a bit hot-headed, so I replied to some, which I shouldn't have. He called 12-year-old girls mini-cunts. He told children to get reaped. It was not cute in any way. He lost so many opportunities because of that. I was banned. No outlet would hire me. I, I was almost kicked off the podcast that I started, that I had spent years of my life preparing for and performing on. My career was suddenly gone. And why do you think the night of the Oscars would make a difference? I don't know if I could just talk to her, get a selfie with her, make her do a retraction. I mean, something. I I couldn't just sit there and watch her take my career away. So you saw Riley go to the elevators in the upper floors? Yes, at around midnight. And when did Leo disappear? Not very long after. Riley was established to go upstairs at that time and never really coming back down. What were the other members of her entourage doing at the time? Well, darling, I spent the entire evening with my friend, Dinah Reyes. We were going from here to there, drinking, dancing, avoiding Jeremy Irons, until she invited me to go upstairs to her room for some um, recreational drug use. (laughs) The green kind. La marihuana, mijo. It's in California. That's chill, right? Besides, when else could I get a chance to share a blunt with an eight-time Academy Award nominee? Come on. I was honestly overwhelmed. I didn't know that many people. My crowd is more Teen Choice Awards than Academy Awards. Everyone was asking me about her. Eric saw how uncomfortable I was, so he pulled me aside to some tables they had reserved, and we were drunk, we felt lonely, and God, we wanted each other. Detective, of course I knew about Eric and Oscar, if that's what you're asking. How could you not? They were somewhat less subtle than Riley's performance, but I let it happen. They needed to blow off steam if they were to last the full six months of campaigning. But in the last few weeks, they had really stopped caring about any sort of discretion. They almost went at it in the limousine after the ceremony, for God's sake. And I threatened to come out to her. (laughs) It was so hot. I couldn't let that happen in the middle of the dance floor, stealing Riley's spotlight like that. So I gave them the key to one of our complimentary rooms upstairs and told them to go to town. I even offered to help them come out publicly later. A spread on the Times, an underwater photo shoot. But that could absolutely not happen that night. So I immediately took Oscar and we went upstairs. Except it wasn't an empty room, it was Riley's room. And that podcast host was in there with her. How did you find Riley? Earlier in the evening, the hotel staff told us the floor the studio had bought, and I figured they would get the best suite for her. I just wanted to talk to her, ask her to post something on, like, her Twitter or Instagram, I don't know, TikTok. I knocked. She opened the door, and she invited me in, but but she looked drunk. Nope, she looked faded, you know, that look. She couldn't get her words right. It seemed like they were struggling. She looked very drunk, and Eric pulled him away from her. I didn't know what he was doing, so I shoved him aside, but Riley lost balance and fell onto the coffee table. 
Then Michelle was the one that walked in. What were you doing upstairs in Riley's room, Miss Leanders? After an hour or two had passed and Riley hadn't entered, I approached Cassandra and asked where she was, and she sent me upstairs. She really wanted things between us to get better, and I'll let you know, she also apologized for taking the role away from me so abruptly. And, and don't get me wrong, Michelle was good. Oh, God, she was great. But she, she lacked broad audience appeal. And, and, you know, Riley was a superstar. I walked in and came across this fight. There was Oscar and Eric and one of the two hosts of that podcast I did months ago. Riley was unconscious on that broken table. I, truly, it was like a Beckett play. Are you familiar, Detective Beckett? So I told them all to leave. She didn't have to ask us twice. We walked outside not knowing if Riley was alive or not. Then outside the hotel room, Leo took us aside. He was really nervous. He told us no one could find out we were up there. If anyone found out I was upstairs, my career would have been over even more than it was, especially with Riley like that. And Eric and Oscar could not be tied like that, so I had them establish alibis with me. I asked them to come down to our podcast lounge and do interviews. We agreed. He left through the emergency exit, and Eric and I took the elevators. On the elevator, Oscar broke down in tears, but I had to pull it together just for the rest of the night. Is that when Leo rejoined you at the bunker? Like I said, he gave me some bullshit excuse. I was mad. I mean, at this point, I'd been ready to be done with the podcast for a while, but then I was just ready to quit right there and then. But then Eric Larson approached to do an interview, then Oscar to Silva, and then the night went how it went. Then I got drunk, uh, too drunk, can't remember, I, I passed out. I just recall seeing Eric embrace with Lori and wanting to run there and do that with him. So I told Lori everything uh, about Oscar and me, that is. Miss Leanders, what happened after you found Riley and told the men to leave the room? I tried to bring her back to consciousness. There was an acid films water bottle nearby, so I gave her that to drink. It was almost empty, but she she started to respond, so I, I placed her on the bed. She was getting hot, so I went outside to get ice. Anything happened while you were out? Well, I ran into Dinah Reyes and Christine Vanderpool leaving a nearby room. They seemed happy, but I was too nervous to really say anything. Oh, yes, that funny-looking girl. You know, I thought she was a ghost from those stories at first. Oh, she was nervous. So nervous. I see her place. She's very good. Raw. Really fucked up stuff. Very weird. She was going back to Riley's, I assume, to keep the party going. Oh, they were screaming and fighting. Broken glass. It sounded like Studio 54 on Liza's divorce party. When I came back to the room, Riley was unconscious on the floor again. I, I mean, not only that, but there was a pool of blood next to her and her Oscar splattered with blood. Someone had hit her with it. Was she wearing her diamond choker? No. Her neck looked beautiful, though. The hit at the back of Riley Audrey's head, the hit that was revealed in the autopsy once her diamond choker was removed. A choker that was not in the red carpet pictures and was put onto her afterwards. There were still a few unaccounted members of the group at that time. Two of them in particular. <laughs> And then Anna-Marie and I, we went outside uh, to the outside patio. It's just like this tiny area where you can smoke. It's like a cage. Anyway, we went out there and we did not leave for the rest of the night. A spot away from all the commotion. 
The hotel was right in front of us. I could see everything clearly. What do you mean by that, Miss Eisman? Have you read my book, Detective? I think everyone in the world has. Then you know that I spent the majority of my days of my year in captivity looking at the building across the street. There was nothing else for me to do. I spent hours studying every window, every pattern of every person that lived there. My eye got trained for it. So now every time I see a building, my eyes immediately go to scanning whatever is happening inside. They missed that part on the movie. One of many things. And what were you able to see? I could see Riley's room. I do remember that Anna Marie, she was going on and on about what she was seeing in the room, up above our heads, and, and Anna Marie said she could see Riley. She could see this and that, and people going in and out of Riley's room. But I was over anything that had to do with Riley Audrey by then, and I wanted to get out, so I wasn't listening to anything she was saying. Then a group of directors called Antoine over. I stayed where I was, watching the building calm me down. My version of white noise, I guess. Someone must have said something to him, because the next thing I knew is he was throwing punches. No, that's fucking Wes Anderson. Of course I am referring to Wes Anderson, this cartoon rat. He approached me to congratulate me, or, but then he went into uh, uh, the artistic vision and how I had given it up for Riley, and I, I, I just lost it. I mean, what does this man know about artistic vision? So yes, I punched him, and I would do it again. Joy had to come separate them. I don't really remember. I had gone into a... Comment vous dites? You have this uh, rage blindness. Uh, all I remember is coming back from it in this tiny cell in the basement of the hotel. It smelled like a sewer. I uh, felt like a prisoner of war. I spent the rest of my nights there and I missed my flight to Paris. Did you stay at your table the entire time, Miss Heisman? I tried to. I... I really did. But then I started to feel this heaviness inside me. I knew I couldn't fly back home without closure with her. I never got that in real life with Frida. And I wasn't going to let another traumatic situation go without closure. So you went to see her in her room? It was so easy. I'm usually invisible on these things. I'm good at that. But here, I am also a celebrity. I guess I put both things into use to get upstairs. I could easily guess the room number watching from below. What did you see when you walked in? I caught Michelle turning a corner in the hallway before entering. I waited for her to be out of sight, and then I walked into the room. Riley was sitting up in the bed, looked unwell, a bit sick, barely coherent, helpless. I wanted to approach her and help. I, I really wanted to forgive her, move on. But then I saw that Oscar by her side. An award for ruining my life story, for playing dress up with my pain. So I grabbed it and I hit her with it. It was so quick. Next thing I knew, I was outside again and I felt so Relieved. I rejoined the party afterwards like nothing had happened. There we have it, right? Anna Marie had hit her in a fit of revenge. It seemed an easy solution. Almost too easy. Looking back at the autopsy report, there was a blunt hit to the head, but the size and the swelling of the bruise was not big enough to kill someone. Anna Marie was not a strong enough woman to do that. Something else had to work in conjunction with the blunt hit. We had the drugs. The drugs that Oscar gave her were uppers. 
There were no uppers in Riley's body, only barbiturates, in particular xenobarbital, an extremely rare depressant that is only found in a liquid, water-soluble form and slows down the nervous system. A drug that, if there was a blunt hit to the head at the time of the effect, would certainly shut down a body. The only other thing Riley had drank that night was the water from the Acid Films merch bottle. Throughout this investigation, and as you've been listening to the podcast submitted as evidence, it became apparent that Riley was not the next-door charmer that she appeared to be publicly. She had a much more complicated and polarizing persona. Everyone who testified seemed to have a reason to want her dead. I mean, I knew that if I wasn't going to win this year, I probably won't ever. When is it going to be the turn of people that look like me to come out on top? If she'd been a little more open and friendly and collaborative, it might have made things easier for everyone. But, you know, some people need drama in their lives. Was I born to play the role in Stockholm and she took it from my hands all the way to an Oscar? Yes! 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 She made my life way more difficult than it needed to be. And like, yeah, my career hinged on hers. And as much as I hate to admit that, okay, it was true. She stole my vision, detective. If she stole my life. Riley Audrey stole my career. Most of the suspects wanted Riley dead out of personal resentment. However, something stood out. Yes, people held grudges against Riley, but there were only two people who would actively benefit from her passing. Her win revived my career, gave it a new air. My name is now forever linked with Oscar winner Riley Audrey. I can assure you that Riley's win will be responsible for every future success of Acid Films. Her name lives on forever with us. Since Riley's win, Joy Moon and Cassandra Choi have gotten public acclaim and prominence, which has only multiplied in the days following her death. Acid Films' value doubled in a matter of days, and Joy had to expand her personal offices due to the volume of incoming requests. Their resilience and brutality on the campaign was something that was underlined time and time again. We didn't even get time to eat. I had to start stealing snacks from the green room. We were always doing interviews. One day I did 11 interviews. 11 interviews. I've never shaken so many hands in my life. They'd force us to memorize every name of anyone who might be available. They banned the color red from my wardrobe. Only Riley was allowed to wear red in any public appearances. After some particularly grueling interrogations, both Joy Moon and Cassandra Choi left our headquarters with the impression that the other had turned them in. They both agreed to reveal their side of the story for a plea deal. Acid Films was in a lot of trouble. A lot. A lot of trouble. My father left it barely afloat and his partners left me out to die. I just needed to save it. I took a chance on this bestseller book. The, the production was, well, it was not smooth sailing between Antoine wanting all of the creative control and having to swap leads at the last second. I, and, and then the movie happened to get good reviews and, and then it made some money. I started seeing the end of the tunnel. If, if I could just win an Oscar, it might just save us from total ruin. I needed a surefire way to make that happen. So I called Joy. Cassandra called and wanted this, and I'm using her words, legendary Oscar campaign for one of her movies. For Riley in particular. So I took it on. Yes, it was also going to serve my purposes of reestablishing my reputation, but a legendary campaign is what she asked for, and that's what I delivered. She said, what's more legendary than a dead star? James Dean, Marilyn Monroe, Natalie Wood, they all live on forever. I bought into it, but I never thought she was serious. Well, that's on her. She knew what she was getting into from the start. 
And I gotta say, getting the Oscar was the easy part. I thought getting that win would be enough for her, but she still wanted to go all the way with it. She has this power to convince people to do things. She just told me to trust her and do what she said. Sure. I gave Oscar those drugs. I knew he wouldn't take them. I run oppo on every person I work with and knew he was a clean addict. But she didn't take them. And that's the important part. Of course he'd give them to Riley. She'd been coking up during the campaign to keep going. That's rule 41. How was I supposed to know that this would be the one night she wanted to stay clean? She gave me one specific water bottle to give to Riley in the lobby. She said that in combination with the drugs she had given Oscar, it would stop her heart. Quick and painless. All I needed to do was go upstairs and stage it like a suicide. Cassandra wanted a legendary campaign. That's what she asked, plain and simple. And a starlet killing herself the night of her Oscar win? What's more legendary than that? Fairy tale shit! I admit I improved a little with Eric and Oscar when I sent them upstairs, but what's more poetic than star-crossed lovers discovering a corpse? By the time I sent them, the drugs would have taken effect. I looked for Cassandra to tell her, but she was being sloppy. I didn't want to do it. After I sent Michelle upstairs so she could find her, I felt so guilty. So yes, I drank a lot. I drank and I avoided Joy. When nothing had happened after a while, Joy told me to go upstairs until it was done. But Riley was not peacefully passed out. That there was blood all over this hit the back of her head. I, I had to think on my feet. I cleaned up. I, I put her choker back on to hide the bruise. I dressed up the scene in the bed. Her Oscar. The pills. Then I called the police outside. What holds bigger legal ground? Action or intention? Whatever intention I had doesn't matter. That's not how she died. The hit killed her. Whoever hit her made things much easier for us. We technically did not kill her. Our hands are not in this at all. Joy is not entirely correct. She is right in that since what killed her was the blunt hit and not the drugs provided, they didn't directly kill anybody. But they have both been charged with attempted murder and conspiracy charges. Anna Marie Highsmith has been arrested in her Iowa residence and will be put on trial for murder in the next few weeks. I hear she's claiming mental disorder from trauma. I think this will all make a great follow-up novel. As the case closes, I want to thank the hosts of Just to be Nominated for their arduous, nitpicky, and unnecessarily thorough work, without which I couldn't have taken these new perspectives. You have turned me into an Oscar aficionado. As for Riley Audrey, well... Joy and Cassandra got what they wanted after all. Riley's memory has now become immortal. She will live on forever as one of the brightest and most peculiar stars in the Hollywood firmament. This is Detective Sidney Foster. Case closed. So easy, she's gonna get an Academy Award this year. We she's hope so. pop on some music. Yes. Oh. And I will see you guys next year. Yes, or maybe see you at the Oscar. I don't wanna say it, I don't wanna drink it, but fingers crossed. <laughs> I'm your host, Terry McPherson. I'm Leo Gold, and this is Just to Be Nominated. This is Jorge Molina. 
creator of Just To Be Nominated. This podcast was a Kingdom of Pavement production. Our season finale, Riley Audrey, was written, directed, and produced by me, Jorge Molina. I can be found on Instagram and Twitter at ColorMeJorge. This episode and our entire season was executive produced by Amy Sudo and Kyle Kords. Alexi Gonzalez is our editorial consultant. Ariana Coyle is our assembly cut editor. Music and lead sound design by Andrew Campbell. Theme by Jordan Bennett, who can be found on Instagram and Twitter at Jabin Music. Graphics by Brendan Haley, who can be found on Instagram at Haley Doodles. Terry is voiced by Zach Noe Towers, who can be found on Instagram and Twitter at Zach Noe Towers. Leo is voiced by Brendan Scannell, who can be found on Instagram at Bscan. Detective Foster is voiced by Donnie Jackson, who can be found on Instagram at Dr. Donnie. Christine Vanderpaul is voiced by Drew Drogi, who can be found on Instagram and Twitter at Drew Drogi. Dinah Reyes is voiced by Gabriela Ortega, who can be found on Instagram at by Gabriela Ortega. Antoine Moray is voiced by Sid Phoenix, who can be found on Instagram and Twitter at Sid underscore Phoenix. Anna Marie Highsmith is voiced by Camille James Harmon, who can be found on Instagram at Camille James Harmon. Lori Kurtz is voiced by May Aswell. Eric Larson is voiced by Abel Benitez, who can be found on Instagram at Abeliboy. Oscar De Silva is voiced by Adam Faison, who can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Adam Faison. Michelle Leanders is voiced by Cecily Bro, who can be found on Instagram at Cecily Bro. Joy Moon is voiced by Jill Galbraith, who can be found on Instagram at Jill Galbraith. Cassandra Choi is voiced by Mia Kodama, who can be found on Instagram at Small Tree Spirit. Riley Audrey is voiced by Anouk Samuel, who can be found on Instagram at Anouk Samuel. Don't forget that you can listen to uncut and extended interviews with the suspects on the best tapes. The full lineup is now up on Kingdom of Payments YouTube channel. Thanks to the Orphanage Collective for lending their thoughts and suggestions, to our assistant Michelle Lin and the rest of our Kingdom of Payment team, and a very special thank you to you, our listeners, for embarking on this journey with us for the past few months. Thank you for your comments, for your reviews, and for your theories. But this is not the end of the road for our show. Please keep leaving 5-star reviews on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. It's the best way to help new people find the full season. Tell your friends about the show, send it to the Oscar junkie or the murder fanatic in your life. It's now here for anyone to find it. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at JTBN Podcast for updates. Until next time, it's truly been an honor just to be nominated. 